1: Welcome to AI Named This Show. I'm Tasia Custodi.
2: And I'm Tristan Jutra.
1: And we're your human hosts. Today's episode is all about humanoid robots. Should we be afraid or embrace our AI counterparts? All right, Tristan, first things first before we begin, I have to give a special shout out to John in Vietnam. We hi, got, John. Hi, John. We got a the most lovely email, which also included virtual flowers. Thank you very much, John. So, John, to you I say ciao, which ciao. I nailed that. I said it just like in Italian, but it's not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but, John, thank you so much. We appreciate you and all of our listeners in Vietnam. Who knew, Tristan?
2: Worldwide. We are conquering the world along with the AI oh, robot overlords.
1: It's very true. Now, before we get into that, Tristan, I believe we have a little skosh of follow-up from our last episode where I mentioned Google's newest best take camera feature. Was I duped by Google that this was a new feature?
2: Well, I mean, when does Google not dupe you, Tasia? I mean, you're so in the bag for them, just like I'm kind of in the bag for Apple and OpenAI, of course. Well, as it turns out, Because tech moves at such breakneck speed and AI even faster, it's so easy for features and innovations to get memory hold, especially when they first appear 10 or 11 years ago. And soon, in the last episode, when we were talking about this feature, you may recall I was like, I could have sworn I've seen this before this whole best take feature in the Google Pixel. Uh, 8 is it just the pro 8 or, or is it the pixel 8 as well
1: it's the 8 the line of 8s and it'll actually be in the google photos editing portion of the app
2: do you want to want to just recap for us what that feature does and then i'll tell you what i found out
1: yeah so in a group photo it will take multiple photos while you're taking a photo so that way if somebody's got their eyes closed or you look weird or you're looking in the wrong direction but everybody else looks good you can essentially swap your own face for a better take, if you will. And you can pick, it'll do it automatically for you, but you can also pick individual from everybody's face in the photo. So I thought this was next level amazing. And Tristan was very quick to correct me (laughs) that it may not be so new.
2: Well, it's just because I'm of a certain age. (laughs) And it's like, and then he's like, is that, was that real? Did I, did I dream that? Well, as it turns out, Nakia... Had a feature. Remember Nokia? Yes. Uh, they, they were making Windows phones for a hot minute. And the Nokia 620, the 925, and the 1020, this yellow gem right here, had a very similar face swapping feature. But it turns out that they weren't the only ones. <laughs> but wait, there's more <laughs> because. Friend of the show, a listener, Adam, who I know from the olden days, from the mid to late aughts, we both worked at a company that was making software for Research in Motion, the maker of BlackBerry devices. Remember those? Mm -hmm. So they also had a feature called Time Warp and it was very similar kind of idea so Nokia had this feature late 2012 early 2013 with their lumia uh, phones and then in but in early 2012 the spring of 2012 research in motion was uh, premiering blackberry os 10 and this feature they called time warp which is pretty much the same thing. Well, as it turns out, Time Warp is based on a technology by a company called Sc- Scalado and they had something called Scalado Rewind, which again, it's the same whole thing. So, Scalado had this software. So, as it turns out, what BlackBerry licensed the software from Scalado, and then a few months later, Nokia bought Scalado. <laughs> uh. So, we we're kind of like both right. So Nokia did have that feature, but BlackBerry had announced it as a consumer-facing feature first. And then BlackBerry didn't really have all that much life left in them uh, beyond BlackBerry 10. They eventually started making Android devices and so on. But anyway, just to put a bow on that little thing, we're not going crazy after all, or we might be, but not for this reason. And uh, yeah, this everything old is new again. So the difference being that Google has, you know, just touted their AI prowess, which of course they have, but it's uh, kind of interesting. And, and and that's the thing is you can look to the past for features that were kind of maybe half-baked and improve on them with current technology. And there's there's all sorts of quote-unquote innovation to be had by doing just that. Sometimes it's too early. Sometimes the tech isn't quite there. Just look to the past to see what's coming in the future.
1: Well, Apple's next. I'm waiting <laughs> for them to whatever. I wonder what they'll call it.
2: Magic. Something magic.
1: Magic face
2: magic face face magic magic time with face (laughs) so that's our follow-up for today tasia
1: well i still want to touch on some other news before we get into exciting humanoid announcements that i've been waiting for tristan but we you know can't have a show without me talking about Google all the time, I guess, could we? So this one's really cool, though, is that Google has announced new generative AI search capabilities for doctors. So Google Cloud recently announced new artificial intelligence powered search search capabilities that it said will help healthcare workers quickly pull accurate clinical information from different types of medical records. So this search tool is going to allow doctors to pull information from, say, clinical notes, scanned documents, different electronic health records, so it can all be accessed in one place. Heck yes. You can imagine how this is expected to save healthcare workers a ton of time. So as a quick example for you, if a doctor wants to know about a patient's history, They don't actually need to read through all of the notes and faxes and electronic health records all separately now. Instead, they could search questions like, what medications has this patient taken in the last 12 months, and things like that. And then they'd see that relevant information all in one place. Plus, these new search capabilities can also be used for other crucial applications like, say, applying the correct billing codes and determining whether patients meet criteria to maybe become part of a clinical trial. So there's a lot of different applications for this right now. And in case you're wondering, yes, this will cite and link to the original source of the information, which will only come directly from an organization's own internal data. So if clinicians have concerns that this AI might be generating inaccurate responses, that should hopefully ease some of those concerns. So say you're like the Mayo Clinic. As an example it's pulling data from their database it's not searching from outside sources so these new features will be offered to health and life sciences organizations through google's vertex ai search platform which companies and other industries can already use to conduct searches across public websites and documents and other databases Now, this specific offering for healthcare builds on Google's existing healthcare API and healthcare data engine products. I, for one, am very excited to see where Google is going in the health industry as a whole. I don't know if I brought it up to you the other day, but the new Pixel 8 Pro has a temperature sensor on it, and I know everyone's like, why are they put, this is so weird, like they just kind of mentioned this. To me, it's where it can go they've applied to the FDA for approval in use on humans that it will do more than just temperature like surface temperature settings so we want to talk about our actual internal temperatures so i'm just kind of more exciting look at the looking at all of these things as where google's going to go in the future with our health which i just love save time for everybody increase accuracy hopefully reduce mistakes by the way which they didn't obviously they're probably not mentioning that for a reason but Doctors doctors are rushed. There's a lot going on in emergency departments. Can you imagine if you have a database at your fingertips in one central location and they can know accurately like what type of medication is this patient on before we do something that's going to, you know, have a detrimental effect to them. So I'm pretty excited to see where they're going. Initial stages.
2: Yeah. Initial stages. There's a, a few different benefits that one can think of. I mean, with... In an industry like healthcare, there is so much data being created all the time. So you think of all the tests one has, be they blood tests or otherwise, you know, looking at scans, and all that data has to go somewhere. And lots of strides have been made over the last decade for uh, digitizing those uh, health records. So now we have EHS, the electronic health records, which is great. But then it's a question of What do you do with all that data? And so if we can use some of these AI tools like Vertex AI to help sift through that, and so you're not spending tons and tons of time like looking for stuff, if you can get the AI to find the information for you or summarize the information in a way that's accurate. But again, this is mission-critical stuff. So there are potential liability concerns, legal issues, and whatnot. So Google's going to really want to make sure that they've got this buttoned up. And... Lots of green field in healthcare. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, has mentioned like in an interview like, probably almost a decade ago now, he said he thought that there was... He thought that some of Apple's greatest contributions were going to be in healthcare, and we've seen what they've been doing with Apple Watch and you know the, the health app and all those sorts of things. So both um, Google and Apple and others are really exploring the space because there are literally trillions of dollars at stake there. And you even think about other fields like law enforcement, how much time is being spent like writing up reports and just doing administration and data uh, you know, management, all that sort of thing. So again, it's early days, but we have to be careful so that these the AI tools aren't hallucinating. Like we've seen things like ChatGPT too and just making up results when it can't find things. So there's some really, really important guardrails that need to be in, in place there. But there's some other news this week as well. Uh, speaking of guardrails, Adobe has uh, released Firefly 2. They've updated their generative AI models for <clears throat> Photoshop and for Adobe Illustrator, so not just for rasterized or pixelated images, but also for vector graphics images like you find in uh, Adobe Illustrator, and this is you know sort of in, playing in the same space as things like Dolly, for example, from OpenAI, and. Uh, At Adobe Max, Adobe uh, unveiled the Firefly 2 image model, and they say that it generates significantly higher quality images compared to the first version, particularly regarding high frequency details like foliage, skin texture, hair, hands and facial features when rendering photorealistic humans. The images uh, are generated using the uh, Firefly Image 2 model. They have have a higher resolution and have more vivid colors and color contrast. It's like they're advertising uh, OLED TV sets or something here. Um, They've got a prompt guidance feature, and that's really important because sometimes people don't know exactly what to type in to get the best uh, results, and we've seen with the latest version of the uh, Bing Im- uh, image generator that they're looking more to natural language prompts as opposed to all sorts of uh, obscure parameters that some of the tools like Midjourney uh, have required in order to get the best results. Adobe's is also uh, working to ensure that the uh, generative match feature that they've introduced, which uh, you can um, influence the style using um, specific images, they're making sure it doesn't get abused and that you have to limit uh, or you have to agree to their terms of service and um, and make sure that uh, there's a certain amount of accountability with you know Adobe and the, your usage and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be in beta. It's going to be rolling out um, you know, to users and won't be available for commercial purposes at this time. So it'll be coming soon to Creative Cloud apps. So it's it's pretty exciting getting these hands, uh, getting these sorts of tools into. People's hands and the sorts of results that they're seeing are you know kind of incremental upgrades from uh, previous generations. One of the examples they showed was uh, a, a woman emerges from an explosion of marshmallows. You see, there's the woman uh, herself is more uh, is more is a more realistic woman. The marshmallows have more details like the wrinkles and the marshmallows that you often see. Um, they also talked showed in the generative match whereby you can. You know ask for say, like an image of a sloth, but combine it with the style from another image. And that could be image, imagery from your own uh, branding, for example, whether it's personal branding and when they allow you, corporate branding, to uh, you know maybe integrate elements of, say, a logo or something like that in there. Now, with all these sorts of uh, generative AI tools coming out, just as a quick little post script, there is also a symbol that Adobe created to encourage the tagging of AI generated content. And for some mysterious reason, the symbol is CR. Uh, you'd think it would be like AI or something like that. We talked about it on one of our other shows, Momentous Live. But Adobe calls this an icon of transparency, and it's, uh, it's all part of the Coalition for Content, Provenance, and Authenticity, the C2PA group. And they're using CR for credentials. They didn't want to use like something like CC, which you know, we could get confused with something like Creative Commons. So... I don't know. It's, I think a lot of people are going to see that logo and not have any idea what CR yeah. means, quite frankly. But I guess it's a step in the right direction for transparency?
1: Question mark? I guess. Really, all Adobe had to do here when they announced like Firefly 2 was say, Better hands and teeth, and we all would have been in. <laughs> now with better hands and teeth.
2: I can't wait till better hands and teeth come to our um, <laughs> robot overlords, quite frankly.
1: Man, we really mis-titled this episode. It should have been Better Hands and Teeth.
2: There's <laughs> still time.
1: There's never been a faster
2: or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: It is officially time, the moment we have been waiting for, Tristan, for us to meet our AI overlords. Toyota says its new AI robot can master complex tasks in mere hours.
2: So this is a physical robot, not just like a chatbot.
1: Correct. This is a physical robot. In
2: the flesh? I know, I was just
1: going to say flesh. (laughs) (laughs) So engineers working with Toyota, MIT, and Columbia Engineering have pretty successfully shown that the robots they've been training can learn how to do complex tasks like say cutting vegetables, spreading peanut butter over a piece of toast, maybe whisking eggs. It's all kind of really kitcheny tasks, <laughs> but it can do it's this in somewhere. A, it can exactly. It can learn in a matter of hours. And don't worry, they're not training these robots to have an uprising at least. In the kitchen yet, (laughs) right? I mean, we are training them with kitchen utensils. We might have, we might not wanted to do anything with knives, but anyhow.
2: Season three on the Bear.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So you and I might find tasks like this pretty mundane, if you will, like cool putting peanut butter on toast. But here is why this is exciting. Robots don't have instincts, so to speak, like you or I, to just know generally, like hmm. Let me spread this peanut butter over this tiny piece of toast. So to be able to teach a robot to do these tasks autonomously is kind of wild. So what I mean by that is typically robots have to be taught how to do these complex tasks repeatedly until they're able to do them on their own. And in this case, Toyota's AI robot was able to complete several complex tasks after being shown how to do so by humans and then running simulations for just a few hours so normally this kind of progress would take geez anywhere from like days weeks even months maybe and to me the coolest thing about this is that there's so many companies like most of these companies train their ai systems using virtual reality kind of systems but this is human to robot training
2: yeah but in in this case it looks like that um they actually have a human use their hands, like they're actually guiding the robot initially. So I'm not sure if it's just the, the, the robot can just watch them. They're actually, the, the humans actually controlling them the at fir- the first go. But I think the, the observing will be the next step, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So yes. Because they have these things where you put your hands into and you do all the, mo- and the robots go, oh, okay, kind of like that. But it, they, they don't get it perfect the first time.
1: No. And this is kind of the first instance we're seeing where they're learning these autonomous skills Really quickly, like they're just shown this thing once and then they're like, oh, let me recreate these movements, which is really kind of mind blowing, because if this is as successful as it's looking like it is, it's a massive stride forward and could change the way that AI robots are even trained going forward. So it's pretty wild stuff. We need to link to some of these articles because it's like, you know, I mean, right now you wouldn't want to rely on it flipping your pancake. It's a bit slow going. But it can flip the pancake.
2: <laughs> well, I, for one, welcome our new pancake pancake-flipping AI humanoid robot overlords. That really rolls off the tongue.
1: That's really just an eloquent way of saying it. <laughs> but can we, can we talk about another robot that's been on my mind a little bit lately, Tristan? It's well, one that I affectionately refer to as TeslaBot and... <laughs> Weren't we all really embarrassed when we first saw TeslaBot?
2: <laughs> with the with the person dressed up as a robot oh, doing aunt. a little robot dancing on stage with Elon Musk last year. I
1: don't that know was... if everybody remembers that, but let's just take a moment to mm, bless that moment for, <laughs> you know, when you feel awkward for someone else. That was that moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that was uh, it, it met with a lot of sc- Scorn uh, back when they first an- announced that they were working on this, and like obviously they didn't have anything to share uh, quite yet at that point. But they've they've come a long way. Um, you know, this it, it, is just just is just the the first uh, the first salvo, I, I suppose. They showed some more progress earlier uh, this year. Working with uh, working at Tesla have recently released a new update on Optimus with a video showcasing the ability of the robot to sort objects autonomously. So, in this video, they have a number of uh, blue and green uh, look, look like large Lego pieces and it is sorting them into its their individual bins and even doing things like exhibiting corrective behavior and uh, when 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 one of these uh, little Lego things is on its side, it'll grab it and make it upright as well. Then it can do it can do things like desorting the uh the blocks back into where it, it found them originally. So it, this seems very simple. It's like, well what do we need a robot to sort blocks for? Right? Like that seems pretty basic. But this is just the beginning. One of the things that they're looking at is, you know, how can these sorts of humanoid robots be used in, say, like a, a warehouse sort of setting?
1: And other commercial uses, too. Because yeah. the thing with, with Optimus or TeslaBot, whatever you want to call it, is like, we all laughed at first. It was super embarrassing. But this is, it's a full humanoid. It's not like a robotic arm. It's not. Like a piece of it you know when we think of robotics it's a head to toe humanoid that now even in some of the video they've put out it can do some yoga poses which again to us we're like i guess cool we, we don't need a robot that can do that but that's not the point the point is to show us the progress of how these robots are advancing very quickly And they're able to do these autonomous tasks. So, like, the thing with the block seems really basic, but it's not, again, for somebody that does not have, like, inference like you and I to say, like, first of all, it's deciphering colors. If it's like working with a human counterpart, if the human counterpart puts the wrong color in the wrong tray, Optimus takes out the block from the incorrect tray and puts it in the correct tray so it's deciphering color it's deciphering shape it's deciphering if it's like you said turned on its side or upright so it is all these little nuances that I think get me excited when we're talking about you know we look at these tasks like cool it looks like a basic task no to me it's so exciting in the nuances
2: and the fluidity of the movements too. When you see, like, it looks very human-like. And actually, one of the things that Tesla has said is that th- this is all happening uh, and with end-to-end neural nets. So it's basically emulating the way the human brain works. There's not mm-hmm. there's not a whole ton of um, you know like pre-training necessarily. There is a bit of reinforcement. There's some interaction with humans there, but it's all on board neural nets and the whole idea of neural nets is to you know act like a brain and we've seen even with like large language models we some people dismiss them as like oh well they're just probability engines well you know our brains are kind of probability engines in, in a way as well so these things are not entirely uh, dissimilar so i think uh elon musk is kind of reveling in the role of being the underdog in this space because there has been uh, a lot of work done for you know 10 or 20 years by the likes of Boston Dynamics and others. Uh, you know The Toyota that we've just talked about, you know, a lot of uh, robotic work has been done in auto- automotive manufacturing. So I think Tesla sees an opportunity to jump in there, use a lot of their existing AI prowess. They've got a Dojo supercomputer that they've been working on as well. Lots of AI going into the uh, vehicles, the, the, the Tesla cars. And like the Tesla vehicles, Optimus is camera only. There are no, uh, no LIDAR, radar, anything like that. And Tesla made the controversial decision a few years ago to go camera only, whereas others were using more sensor fusion and blending different kinds of sensors like cameras, LIDAR, radar, and so on. But the argument on different Tesla's part, well, one, there was the cost argument, and two, there was like humans learn and see using our eyes. Cameras are the closest things to eyes. So maybe that should be good enough. So very interesting. And they're they're making a lot of progress in a very short amount of time. Of course, they're standing on the shoulders of giants. They've got a lot of internal expertise that they're able to translate into this this new uh, sort of field for them. And maybe we'll have uh, Optimus uh, (laughs) working on Mars for us sooner than we think.
1: Well, so far, there is no time limit on when we're going to get, nor timeline, sorry, when we're going to get Optimus for mass commercial use. But Tristan, I'm not sure if you're aware, I would like you to meet Aura, the Las Vegas spheres humanoid robots that are designed to help guests. So first, I want to just back up a hair because recently I'm sure you've seen a ton of videos from the outside to the interior but it's got 1.2 million led screens it is the largest spherical structure in the world measuring about a 516 feet tall and 366 no 516 feet wide and 366 feet tall so the msg sphere has a Wraparound 16k screen, 16k Tristan. That's 160,000 square feet, making it the largest high-definition LED screen in the world. So those lights are the size of hockey pucks, to put it in like a good term that you can understand. In a term that I can understand. This, I mean, Las Vegas, baby. It's like go big or go home. So. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the cool videos floating around of like the exterior of the sphere. Now U2 is doing their short little residency there. They're they're the first group to do a residency there. I think it seats about 18,000, but you might have also seen the videos of recent U2 shows. So the inside of the sphere looks honestly maybe even more impressive than the outside. It makes you feel like you're fully immersed in the experience. It's really kind of wild, but... I'm not actually here to tell you about all of that. Just just wanted to say it for you. We have to talk about MSG Sphere announcing five humanoid robots that will permanently reside within its walls. So there's five Aura robots that are going to be located in the venue's grand atrium to greet guests as they enter, and they're going to be available to answer guest questions. So they're saying these robots will act as, quote, (laughs) spokesbots, and they're supposed to maintain lifelike facial expressions and mobility. Aura has voice storing recognition as well and will be able to focus on one person speaking directly in front of, I'm going to say, her at all times if there's multiple people present. So you can imagine that's important because you're in a grand atrium of a big sphere. Things are probably going to get loud. It's going to be able to focus if it's just you asking that question. And of course, Aura is going to use artificial intelligence to advance as she learns more about us mere humans through her guest interactions so they do say at least as of right now human lab technicians will accompany the robots as they aim to help maximize the sphere's guest experience i love that that job title of a human lab tech i mean what a fun gig that would be to like walk around with (laughs) these aura robots inside the sphere so we have neighbors across the street that are going to the u2 show I have given them strict orders Tristan to report back take video not just of the immersive experience inside because it's supposed to be cool sound tech that's going on like there's a lot of cool stuff going on based on your seat and your preferences and a lot of wild stuff but they're under strict orders to try to meet Aura see how Aura does if all else fails I'm going to Vegas in November. And I'm on it, Tristan. Don't you worry. I will report back. I'm heading to the front lines. I'm going to find me, Aura.
2: <laughs> well, if you've seen any of the previous videos online of Aura, the, the, you, you talk about the, uh, its focus on you and its movement in the eyes and the face. And it is a little bit unnerving. It really mm-hmm. makes you feel that there's something going on inside there. You're like, so, who's in there? Who's in there her.
1: listening to me? <laughs> it and looks like that.
2: And just before we get any uh, angry emails uh, you know saying that you know I've been you know, d- dissing Teja talking about you know she can understand hockey pucks that's because Teja is the number 1 uh, Montreal Canadien uh, fans out there so that was Vive
1: uh, le That
2: was a gentle a gentle Perhaps jab so. not
1: <laughs> anything
2: else so yeah. will you be seeing a hockey game when you're in, in in Vegas Teja
1: I wish I'm there to work that is a bucket list for me to see even though I'm angry about the Knights, I don't like their name. I don't like that they won the cup.
2: don't like However, that they using the 80s uh, you know, Vancouver Canucks colors or correct. the Team Germany colors.
1: <laughs> correct. I'm angry about a lot of things, but um, the atmosphere does seem completely bonkers Vegas style. Wild. Wild. It, is on a, it is a bucket list to do. I won't have time this trip. Listen, you got to break it down, Tristan. I can either do Aura or I can try to do something else. I feel like going to the sphere and trying to find Aura is a bit more manageable on a work trip than catching a hockey game unfortunately and i would never cancel you
2: well you get double points if you manage to kidnap an aura and get her on the show
1: <laughs> sure. she thinks she'll fit in my uh, checked luggage on the way back like what are, what are you carrying nothing nothing to see here
2: it's like a scene from the uh, season one of the americans when they're like having to break the legs of a, an unfortunate uh, lady of the evening and get cram her into a suitcase
1: just me and my humanoid just like, taking a do flight they,
2: do, do they feel pain uh so if, what if uh, she
1: said ow you're hurting <laughs> me
2: <laughs> oh no it's <laughs> so if you're interested in learning more about uh AI powered robots, humanoid and otherwise. We just wanna leave you with a a link in the show notes too. There's a great interview from earlier this year on the Lex Friedman podcast, where he interviews the CEO of Boston Dynamics. His name is Robert Plater, and they talk all about humanoid and other various legged robots. Uh, The Atlas was the humanoid robot that got a lot of play online for doing backflips and all sorts of acrobatics. There's also Spot, the uh, terrifying robot dog that they eventually added an arm to his head to be able to do things like open doorknobs, but uh, open doors, so it's a uh, it's, it's it's worth a listen or a watch. We'll have a, a link to the uh, YouTube post there, but there's also you can find the Alex Friedman podcast on all your podcast players of choice.
1: I'm not afraid yet.
2: <laughs> yet. Well, thank you for all of you for tuning into AI Name the Show. We're still new, so we'd love your feedback. You can email feedback at AI Name the and you can find AI Name the Show anywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to give us a follow and share this episode and, of course, leave us a review. How many stars, Tasia?
1: Five stars preferred.
2: <laughs> We're also on all the socials. We are at AI Name the Show on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, which we still have to build out, and the platform formerly known as Twitter, and more. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: AI and goodbye. <laughs> I'm so excited that I got to say it this time. <laughs> you did very well. Nailed it. <laughs>